Hey everyone, welcome to We Were Friends in High School, the podcast where I talk to former classmates from Wizzaken High School in the suburbs of Philadelphia. I'm Brad Corbett, class of 2001. If you haven't yet, make sure you listen to episode 246 with class of 2002's Amanda Andresini. It's available everywhere you get podcasts. Lots of theater talk, which I've been enjoying more and more. Full video of that conversation and others available at youtube.com slash redshirtplaya. Subscribe to the channel. And while you're at it, subscribe and rate the podcast anywhere you're listening to this right now. It helps others find the show. And of course, the Facebook and Instagram at We Weren't Friends in High School. All right. This week, my guest is class of 2000's Leanne Miller, a.k.a. Leanne Malseed. We get it out of the way pretty early, but I only knew Leanne for a very short time before she graduated, which would have been, I think, my junior year. And for that brief moment when I noticed Leanne, I had a crush, but I never, ever talked to her, never had any classes, never sat at her lunch table. So this really is my first time ever talking with Leanne. So let's get into it. From class of 2000, here's my conversation with Leanne Miller, a.k.a. Leanne Mousy. That you're going to hear my bird a lot. <laughs> she likes to be a part of everything. That's right. This is the very first uh, like really, really warm weather podcast that I've done over Zoom. And my air conditioner is right over my uh, my microphone. So hopefully your bird will counteract the wind that comes in from my from my AC on my mic. Well, I don't hear it, but I wish there was AC on me right now because I feel like I'm so hot. <laughs> it's like 80 degrees in this room. It's only 72, but it feels 80. That's funny. Um, well, let's jump right into it. Speaking of so hot, I'll tell you, uh, you are uh, for the only thing that I know about you, Leanne, besides like modern day and like and when you're selling products and, and making stuff uh, is that uh, in 11th grade uh, for about a second half of the semester is like the only time I ever had like seen you met you don't know where it was. But I remember like asking, who is that blonde girl? She's so hot. So for like one semester uh, before you graduated, uh, because you're uh, you're oh you're two thousand right. Uh, so for that that one semester, uh, you were like the hottest girl in my life in my world, uh, and I was just like, who is she? And then you left, and um, that's my story. So thanks for coming. <laughs> You should know that in uh, 12th grade, I was dating someone, so I wasn't available. <laughs> I never dated anyone, so I wasn't available anyway. Nope. Nope. <laughs> never it's, dated. It's probably better that way. Trust me. <laughs> um, so thanks for coming, though, um, because, you know, I'm trying to, like, talk to other to other classmates, people who are doing other stuff. Um, to kind of find out their path and you're so active on social media with your products and making stuff. And I'm just kind of curious always, you know, how do people's lives go the way that they go and, um, and your path through was a Hicken and everything. So, um, yeah, I guess that would be the first question is like, when did you actually come into was a Hicken? Well, I technically came to was Hicken twice. I was in kindergarten at Madison Avenue. Um, and then my mom moved, my parents divorced pre School. And so she moved to Pittsburgh. And so I went with her. And so I lived there wow. for about 10 years. And then we moved back and I was in eighth grade when I moved back the second time. And so I really didn't know anybody 
at all because you know when you're in kindergarten how how many friends do you keep when you move you know eight hours away yeah so um i just started making friends in eighth grade and then i finished high school with basically all those same friends um so tell me a little bit about like pittsburgh and growing up there from like eighth grade i, I did you have like a good group of friends there was there you know middle school was it what was your your vibe there was it clicky how did you get along out there first grade to seventh grade I was there I did cheerleading the whole time which I continued to do when I came back here um I feel like I had a good group of friends um there wasn't a lot of neighborhoods where we lived so everyone kind of lived far out so you you spent your weekend at your friend's house because there wasn't just everyone got together um when people make those jokes where they had to walk a mile to school, like I would have had to walk a mile to my bus stop if my mom didn't drive me, which she did. But um, it was just kind of country where we lived. Um, everyone was really nice that I can remember. So what kind of activities then if it's, you know, around here, a lot of people will talk about, you know, having friends from their neighborhood and then you can ride bikes and, and in their streets. What was your daily activities for like fun outside of outside of school? Well, outside of school and cheerleading, we, my friends and I would do like dumb kid stuff where like today you're like, what are you doing? Um, so my mom would take me to Office Max and I would buy like office supplies and I would play like, you know, and I uh, always wanted by name to be Beverly. Why Beverly? <laughs> I don't know. So dumb. But, um, and then some of my other friends and I would play waitress. And like, when you think of that today, like I, I was a waitress for six years. Like, I would not want to play that game again. That's just stupid. <laughs> I should have played, like, I don't know, a billionaire <laughs> when I was little. Good but... practice, yeah. I love, uh, no, I used to love, like, office supplies. I used to go to my mom's office all the time, like, when, when we'd have early dismissals or or late arrivals or, or some days off. I'd go there. I loved, like, I don't know, I like staplers and the mechanical pencils. And I was one of those kids that whenever I get a new notebook or a new pen or something, I would always like have something to write about then. And it would only last for like a week. But having the new utensils would always like inspire me to do something. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it was about office. Maybe it's like organized. So it felt fun. I don't know. I'm not super organized now. I try to be. My husband would probably disagree with me. At least you at least you're fooling us with that wall behind you. Oh. <laughs> it looks very so I like to alphabetize. <laughs> it's all alphabetized so I can find it. There is a lot. So if I don't keep it that way, I won't find what I need. And I have like ten oil shelves in my house. Nice. There's a lot. Um, you mentioned that uh, it was your parents' divorce then that brought you to Pittsburgh. What brought you back for eighth grade to Wizahicken? Well, so actually, when my parents divorced, my mom remarried, and his job brought us to Pittsburgh. He okay. worked on the barges on the river in Monongahela, and then he passed away. So there was really nothing keeping us there because we didn't really have family. So we moved back here. Uh, my dad has always lived in Bluebell. My brothers, want, they have gone to Wissahickon their whole life. So we just moved back to the area, and then I was able to go to Wissahickon with them. Oh, wow. That's so that's uh, I mean, that's such a sad, uh, unexpected reason to have to to come back. What is the um, what's that like? I, I, that transition, that's such a your mom loses, you lose a stepdad and now you're you're moving back in. You know, what is that like as a 14, 13 year old kid? 
I've always been pretty easygoing. So it wasn't like, whoa, I'm being ripped away from my friends. I guess I kind of always thought that I'd keep in touch with them. Um, and I did. I did reach out when Facebook came became a thing. Um, I did reach out to some of them and was able to get in contact with them. Um, and in 2006, I was in the Miss Pennsylvania pageant. And so that was back in Pittsburgh. And so I was able to get in contact with more of that, those friends at that time. I didn't get to see any of them because it was like super busy week. Mm. But um, but I did reconnect with a lot of people saying like, hey, I'm coming back. If you're a local, I'd love to see you. And then a lot of them had moved away. So they weren't really local anyway. Yeah, one of the things that that I was always exploring when thinking about doing this podcast and is like what happens to those friends that you have from when you're like in kindergarten, first grade, right? Everyone's best friends uh, through elementary school, it seems. And then at some point that kind of like sheds away more and more as it gets more into, you know, your interests, sports, whatever that, that you start grouping off your friends by. Um, but yours is kind of by force. When you yeah. go to when you go to Wizahickon now, that's a hard time. Everyone's most people had been together, you know, from sixth grade, and we've got these pods on top of that. What's your introduction to Wizahickon like when you're walking in? How are you? How does that go for you? Well, um, actually, the first day was probably pretty scary because it was a new school and they were all brand new people. Um, I was the first person I was welcomed by. Uh, her name was Melissa Baker. Uh, we're no longer in touch. She's twin brother Joel. Yeah. Um, she welcomed me and introduced me to her friends. And then I kind of met friends. I don't even remember if we were in the same pod at really at all. But then I met other people in my pods who I am still very good friends with today. Um, another one of those people is Andrea Kirsch. Um, and we had a great, I think a great connection right off the bat. And we had stayed friends all through high school, through college. And like I said, we're still friends today. I did have a best friend, like basically since birth, our friends, our parents, were best friends in high school. And so we have remained friends for, we, we say 40 years because our parents were probably pregnant when they were friends with us, so. From Wizahickon or another area? She, she was um, in the Willow Grove Roslyn area, but she came to Wizahickon in ninth grade, I think. I don't think it was eighth grade. Who was it? It might've been eighth grade. Stephanie Dimmick, well, Stephanie Mullen. Okay. I know the Mullen name, but I don't know. I don't know. Seven. Well, she there's brothers? some older Mullins too. Yeah. That she's the like car brother. Well, her younger brothers went there, but her um, mid brothers did not. Okay. Um, but there is Chris Mullen, and he was, I think, a couple years older than me, and I think he was big into sports. It's really possible. I'm thinking of Chris Mullen from the Golden State Warriors. No. <laughs> and and then also not that same Chris Mullen. <laughs> <laughs> you go Chris Mullen. I'm like, yeah, that's him. And I'm like, no, no, that is from the dream team. <laughs> um, she's been cheerleading with me as well. So she, you might have known her because of that. I don't know. What's how. The, what was it cheerleading? I haven't really talked to anyone that's, that's done, um, that's done cheerleading. I think Jenny Martin did some cheerleading, but um, what was your, your cheerleading experience like coming in, especially when I mean, you come in here in eighth grade and then you switched in, in ninth grade. Um, what's it like coming in new, uh, trying to establish yourself? Well, I think that with, with the Hicken, they didn't have a lot of criteria to be a cheerleader. Like now you have to do backflips and handsprings and you have to be able to do all these things. And we didn't have to. And even though I did gymnastics, most of my life, I, I couldn't do those. 
So I feel like they were kind of open with that mm. kind of stuff. So I tried out for eighth grade and I made it. Um, there's a pretty big squad. And then in ninth grade, you know, I don't, we, I feel like we switched coaches like every year too. So it was kind of a fresh start each year, mm. but I did it ninth and 10th for junior varsity and I did captain for 10th grade. And then I did 11th and 12th for varsity and I did captain for my senior year. Um, my experience with the program, it was so fun. Um, all the coaches were always fun. I mean, one of our coaches was an aerobic teacher. So, you know, jazzercise was a thing for us. She was always keeping us in shape. We had to run a mile every day. Wow. Every day. Yeah. We would start off running the the track at the football stadium. And then when we did basketball cheer, we'd run the track on the inside. What is, uh, what is being the captain of the cheerleading team entail? Um, it just means that all the girls vote for you to be the leader. And by the leader, you pick formations. You Sometimes you have to come up with the dance routine that you guys will do. There's usually a captain and a co-captain. So you're, you're doing it with a partner. Um, I feel like I probably always asked other people's input because I never really felt like, well, what I say is going to go. It was like, what do y'all think? Mm. And I think that just kind of works in real life in general. Uh, I've, I've watched that cheerleading show cheer. Is that what I, I think that's what it's called that, that show on Netflix. I uh, have not watched it, but I have heard a lot of things about it and they're coming to Hershey and we thought about going to see it this summer. It's pretty intense. It's another level of cheer. <laughs> and I remember, I guess, um, you know, bring it on was, was kind of like more of our era of cheerleading. And I remember just being shocked at like, the fact that our school didn't do cheers like that our cheers no. i felt were very right like i felt like our school was very like ready okay and then like do kind of like kind of like tv sitcom cheers like that's what was reminiscent of what yeah. i see on like family matters or something not necessarily like the giant formations um was there was that a a, a did you and i didn't know anything about that until i see those movies right did you know about these wild formations was that something that you wanted to do was it was it known, hey, we don't do these things? Well, I think some of that's up to the coach, too, of how they instruct. Like, currently, my daughter is in cheer, and she's been doing it since kindergarten. And our coaches for for specifically competition cheer are very in tuned with, like, what you need to win. And we mostly got first place. And so they're, like, totally into it. And I feel like maybe our coaches in high school might have just been there for the fun. <laughs> We didn't do a whole lot of competitions and the ones I remember, we absolutely did not win. So, <laughs> but you, it was still fun. Yeah. Were you, I mean, and you know, the other thing is that there's no guys in on the cheerleading team. I, I don't think maybe one or two, maybe by the end, some started popping in, but I feel like it was an, pretty much an all girls for at least, I know you need bases and stuff to, to lift right. these girls and, and throw and. So my senior year, I was also on a state cheerleading team, and we had two boys from high school. Um, and I do not remember their last names because I am terrible with this, but it was Mike and Sal, and they were both in our grade, and they were on the competition with Sal us. Sal Tacredi? Maybe. Did he graduate with me? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I feel like there's only one Sal. Yeah, police officer. Yes. Yeah. Now, I, yes. Yeah. 
Shout out to Sal. I saw him at the Ambler Car Show uh, the other day, actually. I didn't say hi, but it, I was like, I think that's Sal. And then I'm like, Creedy, yes, I remember him. So it's funny you're, you're mentioning him now. Nice. Him and Mike were the nicest guys, but our coach would not allow boy cheerleaders. And I said, but, you know, like they do the job of three of our girls. So it <laughs> makes sense to like free up some people. And they just, they weren't, our coach was not into it. And I'm sure we fought hard enough for it they wouldn't have said no but i don't think anyone was trying to make waves yeah <laughs> then 20 years ago like uh was cheerleading like a what was the the vibe for cheerleading around the rest of the school for you i i kind of always looked at like you know you always hear about the cheerleader and the football team right it's kind of like the always kind of seemed like the king and queens of popularity um, in school, did you find that being the the captain of the cheerleading team that that came with some notoriety around school? Um, I didn't feel it. Uh, my best friend Stephanie Wills she says that I was the most popular person in high school, and I absolutely know that I was not. So I love that she feels that for me. But I was like, no, and I'm pretty sure it was like exciting for me to be in cheerleading, but I don't think other people who weren't cheerleaders were like, Whoa, look at those girls. They were just like, yeah. okay. Just like I looked at people who did lacrosse. Oh, they do lacrosse. Oh, they do soccer. I do cheer. Like there was no like levels for me. Um, maybe if we were like winning football games, like crazy, <laughs> and we were just like the top, maybe I would have felt like, yes, but I did not, I didn't feel that way. I was going to say, you know, if, if our teams got more attention and the football games, I thought were like pretty big. I didn't go to many because I, I worked at Wawa. That's what I just would do on Friday nights. Um, but like I felt like like a lot of people would go to the football games on Friday nights, win or lose. That was always the place to go. But then as the year went on, basketball and other things, uh, the attendance would kind of dwindle. I always felt like the stands were pretty full for our games. Um I mean, football ends and then basketball starts. So then we transition over to that. It seemed to me that football was always the moneymaker for schools versus basketball. I mean, I don't remember basketball ever being like slammed with visitors. Like right. there was some people came, but like you could easily be like, oh, there's 25 people here. Near the end, they once with. with with Coach Wilson, I think they, they started really like making some playoff runs and 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 the program started to build in the basketball team and, and so like playoff games would start. But like, you know, Tuesday night games, no one was going to those in the gym. Yeah. I mean, I, I loved basketball season. I thought I always thought our team was great. I just felt like people always get more excited for that Friday night football. There's just the stigma with it. They're like, yeah, it, even today. And we don't even like my kid goes to football on Saturdays like. Right. There's no Friday night football for us. We're not in high school. Did you uh did you know did you fit in, I guess, like with um for me, I felt like once middle school started, that's where you really started seeing a difference in maturity. Uh and I was on the low scale, right? So didn't date, uh, didn't go to parties, didn't do anything other than hang out with like a, a very, very small group of friends. But then I would look out or you would hear in the hallways you know, when Mondays or whatever, when everyone comes back about these parties and how everyone was dating and, and drinking and, and all these things that I was just like, it was like a whole nother world. Again, my maturity level was at the low end, I think, for things like that. So I don't think even if I was exposed, I could handle it. Um, oh. For you being a grade ahead and just coming in in eighth grade, 
what was your experience as you're seeing like people who are peers and their social life compared to yours? Well, um, I feel like there's definitely groups of people who hung out all the time. Um, I don't necessarily think like there was jock groups and smart groups and nerdy groups necessarily. Um, I feel like I didn't really belong to a group. I kind of felt like I had friends kind of everywhere. Um, and I still joke about that today that I feel like none of my friends are really friends with each other, but yeah. I just like have all these separate friends. But if we were all together, everyone would get along, but then they never really hang out outside of us. Yeah. I don't know. It's, but um, I did did go to parties. I did not drink or smoke because that was a rule for cheerleading. If you got caught doing that, you couldn't do it. So cheerleading was always more important to me, mm. which sounds funny, but Elisa was like, you know, kept yeah. me out of trouble, I guess. Yeah, when you're young, whatever keeps you on the straight and narrow in that in that respect is good for you. I will say, though, when I finished cheerleading, like all bets were off. So <laughs> I was like, what are we doing this weekend? Oh, okay. And my mom, which probably is not how I'm going to act when my child's 18, but she was, okay, you can have drinks if you're at home and nobody's driving. And while I thought, you know, well, you're the coolest mom ever, she just meant like, well, I don't want you getting in trouble right? and I can watch you. And my mom didn't drink growing up. So she was like, I am always going to be fully watching you. And um, I don't know. Did because that of that, I just... Did that kill the vibe of like of like drinking as like the fun or did it become like, oh, we can hang out here and then just you and your friends were able to comfortably hang out and have drinks if you want to at your house? I think I only had one friend who came over and drank and she would sleep over. Um, I feel like it might have killed the vibe because when I was then 19, I, I always had older friends. And so on Tuesdays, we would go to Pitcher's Pub in Maniunk, and the door guy would just let me in. I did mm. not have a fake ID. And then on Thursdays, we would go to Old City, and I don't even remember the name of the place, but it was like a, a dive bar. And just by the time I turned 21, it was like, oh, that's not really fun to go out. Like, I went out when other people were going out, but I wasn't like, let's go drinking. Like, mm. It was kind of... That's what some people have mentioned as far as, you know, depending on their experience that by the time they got to like a college level and people were breaking out for the first time, some of them were like, and granted, they, when they speak about it, it's it's heavier drugs and things like that. But like, you know, their experience just having having that freedom when they were younger was kind of like, oh, I'm, I'm not I don't really need to do this for the experience. I, I've done that already. Yeah, it's probably like in in some crazy way. And I don't believe I'm about to say this, but had I not started at the younger age, I might have gone harder. And then like, it could have been a lot worse when you're not like, Ooh, I better tame it down because I'm not supposed to be doing this. And then mm. also I went to temple, so I didn't stay there. I had an apartment with my now husband. Mm. Um, so that's another thing. I feel like had I did a, the campus life, I probably might've been a little different, but yeah, I didn't, uh, for my senior year, I went to Temple as well. And uh, for my senior year, I lived in Port Richmond, which is the only time like I lived in the city. The rest of the time I commuted to main campus. And um, I had a friend, my one of my best friends lived like right off of campus uh, at 10th and Montgomery at UV, uh, University Village. And that was like a game changer for college for me. It was like, because then you could go party as soon as classes were over. 
you know, it's like class is over and it's like, let's go walk to, to my buddy's dorm right off campus here. And it's like, hey, you know, yeah, of course. And then you go there at like four o'clock and you stay all night. So it made it such and everyone's just kind of around. There's a campus bar. Right. And so you're just kind of like hopping around to whatever people are having parties in their dorms and versus I think if I was home um, it, or if I was living or not just living off campus and not having a place on campus, I think it would have been a lot more like, eh, we're just watching TV or we're going to go out to the game or whatever. Yeah. I mean, it's when you're, it's, you're so accessible to it. It's just, it's all right there. And you're like, okay. Candyland. <laughs> what, uh, for you then going into like eighth grade, ninth grade, um, what were you into at, once you're past the, the stage of playing office? What was your, what were like your activities outside of cheerleading? Um, you know, I feel like I just like to be outside a lot. Um, I did, I mean, outside cheerleading and gymnastics, I feel like cheerleading kind of consumed me. Like my, my mom, when we got an apartment in Bluebell, like we rented a second floor of someone else's home was one of my brother's good friends. We got a trampoline and they had a pool. So like you would spend time either practicing on the trampoline for cheerleading or you'd swim in the pool. Um, I feel like a lot of sleepovers and someone who I was very good friends with in high school was Jenny Serpak and she didn't live that far away and we spent a lot of time together. Um, yeah, just, I think just like hanging out, listening to music. What was the sleepover movie? Oh, Okay, so I don't know that we necessarily had a sleepover movie, but my favorite movie, I feel like it can't, it didn't come out until 2000, was Scream. And I know that Jenny and I watched that movie like one million times. Yeah. And we each had a crush on one of the killers. And, Ski, was um, it Skeet Ulrich? That was mine. <laughs> she liked Matt Lillard. I think yeah. that's the last one. Is it Lillard? Or, I've been calling him Lillard my whole life. It probably is. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, we, we were obsessed with that movie. And that's, I mean, I love scary movies, but that to me is not really a scary movie. It's more, I guess, I think it's funny. It is funny. It, they were like, it was one of the first ones that where they looked like us. They looked like teenagers. They hadn't been in 15 other movies where it's like, oh, well, they're actually like 29. And like, they all look like right. kids. They were, it was a throwback to those movies in the seventies where like they're having a house party. you know, school's canceled. What are you going to do? Well, we're having a house party. Those are the type of things that like, in my mind, I wanted to have my mind, you know, my world open to, they were doing the actual things that I think high school kids would do. My mom was actually scared to let me watch that movie because my brother, who's almost 10 years older than me, his girlfriend at the time was like, you can't let her watch that. That could really happen in real life. And I was like, Anybody can die in real life. Like <laughs> Final Destination had us all shook. Yeah, it certainly did. <laughs> but I watched the last scream that they just made, and I wasn't surprised. I felt like I could call all the shots the entire time of the whole movie. Um, I won't give any spoilers in case anyone hasn't seen I haven't it seen yet. It yet. But, okay. <laughs> it just was, I feel like, a cheesier version of the original Scream. And while I have seen all of them, the original to me is like just so iconic. Which is funny. Top it. 
Well, it's funny, though, because I think the original, if we were older, we would probably say the original is a cheesy ripoff of what we had watched in like the 70s or the 80s, right? They recreate a lot of stuff. But to us, it was pretty brand new. Right. Yeah. No, I totally see that. But I agree. Scream was a great was a great movie. I also watched it a million times and it was ruined for me. Someone in class like like was talking about and like there's two killers. And I was like, no. And I, and to this day, I will, anytime I, I put it on, I try to imagine, I don't know the hook that I don't know that, that, that there's a twist. And I always try and go, Oh, that's so exciting. That's <laughs> because the, the original like thrill was, I thought that was so unique and it was spoiled for me. Yeah, no, I actually, every time I watch it, I try to figure out which one of them is, doing witch kill at the time yes and i hope that it figured out but sometimes i'm like i don't know <laughs> that's good right right because they split up so many times there's the guy that's in the in the house but then there's also the one that's in the school in the bathroom stall and right. yeah yeah and they set it up where then billy will just pop up out of nowhere after she's running and and they're not even the same size so you're like right kind of like how? <laughs> yeah, one guy's a little short, little little broader. The other guy's like like pole thin. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's funny. I feel like it was probably never Matt, and it was always Pete Ulrich, like doing those parts. But because that's your favorite, didn't figure it out. <laughs> I bet it's Skeet. Maybe. <laughs> um, did you work in high school? I did. Um. My summer of ninth grade, I worked at a country club as a cleaning lady. Um, I got to clean out the men's area, which is an area where women are not allowed. Get out, it was yeah. Terrible. There would oh. be cigars and peanut shells everywhere. Oh, it was terrible. The thing would be like you would spend five hours cleaning that one room. So I never went back. And as far as country club jobs go, you like that's the one where you get zero tips, right? Right. Yeah. yeah but I was bummer. also 14 turning 15. So I don't think there was a lot of you had working papers. Up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it beats bagging that, at the supermarket, maybe. Yeah, that's a job I've never done. After that, I worked at a retirement home as a waitress, which you also don't get tips doing. Mm -hmm. And um, and then in high school, I think my last high school job was I worked at Coneheads and Ambler. Yeah. That was so one of I my, did that. I had my fifth birthday party there. Oh, really? Yeah. Nice. We had a we had a magician in there and everything. Yeah. <laughs> Coneheads was the spot. Like uh, so, always, um, the last. Oh, you didn't like it? No, I did. I did. I the, had ice cream like every single day. Yeah. Every day. The, the last day of baseball, the teams would always go to Coneheads for Ambler baseball. Oh. That would always be the spot and you get like your big dish of, of ice cream as a congratulations trophy for not not yeah. making it into the playoffs. Ice cream is always better than the participation trophies anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, working there, I probably worked there for a year or two. Um, I, of course, was blonde then. I've always been a brunette, but I dyed my hair starting probably eighth grade. I was red or pink at some point and then transitioned to blonde. Um, I was just always so fair skinned that when I had dark hair, people used to just tell my mom how sick I looked. Because you'd always be like, she's so sick looking. And my mom's like, what? Get out. So, 
I didn't look that way when I had blonde hair. So did you I make? Also... No, go, go ahead. ahead. No, you go ahead. I was obsessed with tanning. So as I still am, um, I don't tan outside because my skin just burns and then I go right back to being a ghost. So I've always been a self tanner and I felt like the blonde hair also kind of helped with that, made it look a little bit more realistic. I That's... don't know how much it really did, but. You know what's funny is I never like even I mean I guess I obviously knew that 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 women dye their hair but I don't think I ever like knew much about it until you posted something about that oh. a couple years yeah. ago and you called yourself a boxed blonde and I think I'd probably heard that term before and I never knew what it meant until like literally like a year ago when you posted this and so I was yeah. I was curious when like what prompted that because you do it I mean so you do it because you're fair skin but you do it right as you're going to Wissahickon. Yeah, so my mom, um, when we lived in Pittsburgh, went to school to be a cosmetologist. So she used to practice on me. And probably in fourth grade, I got a perm, which did not look good. <laughs> it never does um, when you're in fourth grade. No. And and then fifth grade. And then I think even sixth grade and seventh grade is when I started to, I feel like my seventh grade picture, my hair is like straight to here. And then it's permed because I was like growing, definitely growing that out. So when I got to eighth grade, I had, my hair was like this short, mm. which it will never be that short again <laughs> because it grows this much a year. Um, and I feel like probably a lot of kids were dyeing their hair with Kool-Aid, the whole Kool-Aid trend. Mm. So I was like, but my hair was dark. So if I wanted it, I'd have to go lighter to make it do the red or the pinks. Right. And I did that and I did not like it. Really? There's, I feel like there's still people to this day would be like, I remember you when you had red hair. I'm like, for like two months, I will never let it down. And then I went blonde. Um, And then you stayed blonde the entire time. I did. I was blonde for 23 years. That was when there... I started growing this back out, just because my hair just was, it was crap. Like it would break, it would grow to here and break off. And I was like, ooh. So when I started doing that and then I hadn't seen people in a while, they would say to me, Oh my God, you dyed your hair brown. And I'm like, Nope, that's just the color. And so then I started posting pictures of me when I was little. So you could see like, mm. yep, she really is brunette. Was there any, I mean, it's the image like in my head, it's the high school image, the cheerleader, the blonde, right. All that was, was any of that in your head at the time of like wanting to like have this image of like being like the blonde blondes have more fun. Any of that bullshit that kind of went oh. around when we were kids. I mean, when you look at magazines, right. It was always like the blonde on the TV show and all that stuff. Was any part of that for you? Like where you embraced that aspect of changing? No, I don't think so. Um, I got more of the, dumb blonde than I did the blondes have more fun um I think also when you're in high school you you just kind of do dumb things like you're not necessarily an idiot but you're like oh my I'll goodness try. I didn't realize and then people are always like you're such a blonde and I'd be like but I'm not really <laughs> <laughs> but it's just like I feel like me being blonde is like my name being Leanne it's not Leanne but nobody what? knows that. Wait, not blonde. Your name's not Leanne. What are we? Because my formal name is Marilee. Get out. But my and my middle name's Anne, and my mom was also Marilee Anne. So for my nickname, they called they. It's just right there, Marilee Anne. So they just took the end of my first name and my middle name and made a nickname. 
wow did anyone ever know that first day of school every year did you have that awkward oh yeah Mm-hmm. They would so, say merrily, and I'd be like here, and then some people would look at me, and then then they would forget because then for the rest of the year the teacher would call me Leanne, and so it was never a, a thing. And then going into work, oh, I'd sign papers, and my name would be Marilee, but my name tag would always say Leanne. And so when people find out my name's Marilee, they're always like, "What?" So my first name legally is the letter A, right? My mom named oh. me A Bradford Corbett. Right, there's a whole familial connection with all that, but everyone my whole life has called me Brad. That's always been my middle name. So I was even embarrassed just by like Bradford. I, Bradford was embarrassing for me to be called, but let alone first day of school, everyone, like every teacher, every single class, A, Brad, and I would just pray that they would not see it and they would just go like, just go with the Bradford and I'll correct you from like, cause they would always go A and I would like say nothing and they'd be looking around A, is there an A Corbett? And everyone looks like, isn't that you? And I'm like, I'm A, just call me Brad. It was so embarrassing for me. It like red face, all that. Red hair, red face. Well, so then I feel like my probably 11th grade, I had a couple closer friends who started calling me LA or like Leanne for short. I didn't like any nicknames. I didn't like one person has ever got away with calling me Lily, which is my best friend's mom. <laughs> I was just going to say, would you get a Lily? Absolutely not. Um, so no one can ever spell Leanne correctly, which drives me crazy. It's so simple. It's just L-E-A-N-N, but people screw it up. And it's one of my biggest pet peeves. Um, but anyway, as a, they just started as a new name, calling me L.A. And I love that. I was like, okay, L.A., great. You can't mess that up. Just two letters. Mm-hmm. So now I always have my name L.A. And people will call and be like, is law available? I'm like, I feel so defeated. You can't win. <laughs> like, I, I can't make it any more simple than that. And yeah. So. As a grown-up, I feel better about it now. It's I, there's a, It takes a lot to embarrass me about anything. Now I just roll with it. Whatever. I'll answer to anything. Oh, yeah. No, I don't get embarrassed easily. I embrace my weirdness. Yeah. Did you, uh, so that also coming up, though, was like the start of Leanne Rhymes. Did you get that? Oh. Um, you know, when I was in 10th grade is when her hit song came out, How Will I Live Without You? Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like prior to that, no one really ever said anything. But then occasionally someone would say, hey, Leanne Rhymes, like kidding around. And I'd be like, yeah, but without the singing voice, like. Mm. Because we both were blondes. She had lighter brown blonde hair. Sure. Um, did you have any musical? I asked you about like uh, sleepover movies. I'm assuming so Scream was your top movie, period. Did you have um, favorite artists, music of that time? Um, I feel like I love all music, but I know for a fact that I listened to a lot of Mariah Carey and a lot of Nelly like 11th and 12th grade. I okay. feel like he's super popular. He collabed with a lot of people. And I feel like to this day, if a song comes on, I can sing it word for word. For Nelly. Not well, but yeah. Oh yeah, I definitely know all of Mariah Carey's songs. I think I think when I was 11, her Christmas music came out and I was like, I already knew every song she made prior yeah. to that. But yeah, her. I never get tired of her music. She's a little crazy in real life, but I think... She was one of the artists we were lucky enough to like, you know, you hear about these generational artists or whatever. And like, you know, 
when we were kids, my parents would always still talk about Michael Jackson. But I feel like I feel like, um, you know, Whitney Houston was a little bit older, older than us. I feel like Mariah Carey is one of those first real artists that we can say we grew up with, you know, 1990, that she was like dropping on the scene and dropped hits. So like we kind of followed her entire life to see the transition of being like this quiet girl dancing, spinning around in the field down to like, you know, like, like this, this boss lady who, who walks out with four guys holding her balance as she walks on, on 10 inch high heels. Yeah. Yeah. She's, I feel like at some point everyone takes a a turn and then they think she came back. I feel like she came back around. Absolutely. Right. She had a moment, she had a moment where she like had to go into the, into the hospital for like a little bit of rest and relaxation, right? Like, just like Brittany did. Yep. I don't think Brittany came back from that. No, she did. She, I she, feel like her, it's tough with Brittany. <laughs> I do love her so much, but watching her Instagram is tough. Like, I know that she has been through a lot, but I don't know if she's had the access to therapy that she needs that I feel like I would need if I had been through that. Yeah. It definitely seems like she was, um, uh, disallowed from growing. Like I, it it feels like when I look at her Instagram, it feels like a 16 year old girl who's been trapped in a snow globe doing her dance moves for the last 15, 20 years. And you're just going, Oh, you you can go out now. You don't have to do that anymore. And you're like, and then I I say those things and I'm like, but she's my age. Like, (laughs) I wouldn't be like, just bring it together. You can I do know. it. I know. Everybody right. There's, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, with Mariah, it's a great point, right? There's still so much like Mariah was like 20 already when we were like such young kids, like, and then she pulled it together, you know, the Nick Cannon thing and all that. And now she's like back and yeah. out and making music and, and no one's laughing at her when she sings live anymore. Like, I feel like Brittany right. in like the next five years can maybe pull, start pulling some things together, get her shit back together and like, be accessible out in the world rather than on that Instagram page. Yeah. I'd like to hear new music from both of them. I think it would be fun. Uh, favorite Mariah Carey song. Um, hmm. I definitely like you'll always be my baby. I feel like it's such an upspirited song where you're just like, you hear it and you feel good immediately. Um, I do like the ones she did with boys to men. Oh, one, one sweet day. Yeah, that one. I mean, it was a sad song, but I feel like it came out around the time where I moved back here and my stepdad had died. And I thought about like, it's like, well, I'm not a religious person. So I was kind of felt like, will I ever see him again in an afterlife kind of situation? And mm. it was kind of every boys to men song. That's like a slow song. Kind of, I feel like get you in some way. There's no holding back. I feel like they need to come out. I need more music from them. From boy, well, you know what? It's I. I feel like they're stuck in that nostalgia bubble that they're never going to be able to get out of again. There's a great, uh, yeah. there's a great Netflix show where they talk about like pop, mu- different aspects of pop music, um, about like the the start of like cu- pop country in the '90s. Uh, but then there's a, a a whole episode about boys to men and the idea of like these young black uh, R and B artists. And then they kind of crossed into the mid nineties, late nineties, when all the white pop bands started becoming a thing. And then it's like, well, you know, you see Justin and JT or Justin and JC and, and Backstreet Boys and all this on the wall. It's like, no one was putting 
these respectable black men on their walls. And that was kind of like the cave of their popularity after they were so high with that, you know, water runs dry and on bended knee. And it was just a different type of marketing that took place for them that kind of killed their career. Yeah. I never really thought about that. But I didn't either. To me, Boys to Men was where they were like a different type of band than Backstreet Boys and NSYNC all together. Like one was strictly like upbeat pop, teeny bopper stuff. But like Boys to Men, I never, they just seemed more real, more authentic. We respected them. Yeah. And they were, and like the story of like, they knew each other in Phil, in school in Philadelphia. They were like, they sang together on the streets and like, you know, got noticed by, by, uh, Michael Bivens. And like, there was like a whole story versus like in sync and backstreet. You just heard like, Oh, I think they're just like, there was a curtain call or there was a, a casting call. And then they moved to Germany and they trained for six months and then they bring them back to America Polish. It was like a, you know, it was a, rea- it was our, like a reality show without the cameras. Right. Yeah. That's kind of how I feel about like all the singers, like, well, I guess, um, Justin Timberlake, Brittany, Christina Aguilera, like they all started with Disney. I think Drake did too, right? Uh, all well, Drake with- was Degrassi. Drake was, uh, oh, I think Nick- was okay. Nickelodeon or whatever the Canadian thing was up there. Okay. But I feel like they were all so young in that and they became individual stars. And I don't know why Justin Timberlake didn't just go for it then, but um probably because he was pretty weak like you look at the trouble that that justin bieber had in the beginning like that probably would have been justin timberlake but it was still that type of pop i think was still so new when just when in sync was coming out in the mid you know mid yeah. late 90s you're right yeah yeah oh we, my god baby Justin Bieber. <laughs> i was definitely a bieber fan and i was like what i felt like six or seven years older than him at when least he was like First coming out more i feel yeah. like he was like 12 13 we were like in our 20s when that when like baby baby was really? coming yeah it I feels feel like like... time doesn't doesn't matter anymore <laughs> sometimes i'm driving down the street and i see someone who obviously has their driver's license and i'm like no mm-mm. all the That's time <laughs> all the time i'll sit out drinking coffee uh uh on the weekends and and look by and i'll like judge i'm just like the couples that are walking like this dude looks like he's like 28 and she looks like she might be like 14 15 maybe it's his niece and it's like no they're they're holding hands i was like i have no gauge of ages at all i feel like i used to be good at it but no since having kids i'm not no my kids look younger like we'll be at the playground Mm. long time ago we'd be at the playground they don't go to the playground anymore and people would go, oh, how old's your son? Is he in, in third grade? I'm like, he's a seventh grader. And I'm like, maybe my kids just look super young. I don't know. Um, what about school? What did you have? Uh, were you, did you have like a best subject, favorite subject, something that you excelled in or multiples? Um, well, I was the worst at math, so I can put that right out there. Um, I loved Mr. Russo. He science biology yes um he had the he had the fake eye or he had the like the, the eye you like pop out or whatever right yeah i don't think i ever saw that but he did he did talk about he would tell that. you about it all the time yeah and then um i had him as well i loved him i loved him i thought he was just the nicest guy um the other class i loved the most was oceanography 
I do not remember if he taught that or if someone else did, but I took it strictly because we got to go to the Baltimore, Maryland um, aquarium. And I have been there. So if I get a field trip out of this class, it's worth it. But I also just love pets and the ocean and learning about animals. So it's probably one of the funnest classes to take. Yeah, you know, there were a few classes like that that you would hear about that you had to kind of like you had to pass, you had to get through all the other ones to be able to get to oceanography yeah. to take it. And I can never make it like to that point to take that. It was like I by the time it came around, it's like I got shoveled into into some other like science class that was just a drag that was like ugh, missed, messed up on what I wanted to do two years ago. So I felt that way about the class where you got the fake baby. So I didn't. I didn't oh, ever make yeah. it to the big baby. It was like some sort of childcare class that you had to take like before you got to that class. And I just like, I don't know why I didn't take that class, but I'm like, I always wanted to have the responsibility of like this fake baby they were going to give us. And then I never got it. That's so TV show. Like the got to care for the baby. It records every time it cries. Or I mean, at least give us a sack of flour, but <laughs> I don't think like high school there's no real preparing you for taxes and taking care of a family if that's what you choose to have, like, at all. Like, I'm like, well, where are those courses? Because they're not in college either. <laughs> so one of the biggest things that, that I've come to realize is my regret at not not doing, not looking more seriously at, like, a tech school. I never, I like, I always regret that I don't mm -hmm. have any, like, real skill sets that I pay so much money annually that for other people to do for me, right? Changing, changing my brakes, my oil, uh, installing an air conditioner, just all these things that, like, I have no real skill set and no patience and no confidence in. That's like, we're just going to have to get someone to do this. I know yeah. I could have learned those things if I was pushed to do that, but all those things that were kind of, like, life skills, I felt were always looked down upon in school of like oh you know only stupid people go to tech school to to, to learn about cars or you know anymore to work with their hands or you there was always like this hardcore push of at least in at least in my world to like gotta go to college gotta go to college but i didn't know what i was going to college for at that especially at that point so i did go to tech school in ninth grade for cosmetology which is you know what my mom did i always looked at it and thought it was so fun and so i tried it the whole year, I did not like it. I thought I my whole entire life since first grade, I wanted to be a teacher. Um, mm -hmm. I could not wait. Um, my first grade teacher was Mrs. Posey. I loved her and she was so good at it. I was like, I want to do exactly what you do. And but then I saw, oh, well, like doing hair and makeup would be so fun, which I love. I wear makeup every day. I love it. It's, it's such a fun. I don't feel like I need it, but it's mm -hmm. such a fun thing for me to be like, oh, what, what am I going to look like today? Um, it just wasn't fun there. I think there's so many kids who go into that program. It's just like, there's not a lot of like personal help with it. So it just was more of a extension of high school than a fun thing to do. Plus, if you did tech school, you didn't get to do any electives. Right. So another thing I really wanted to do was to take French, which I did. You I wanted to. I did. And so after ninth grade, I went into French in 10th grade, which meant I did French with all the ninth graders because it was French one. Mm -hmm. And so it was like, and so I felt like I had a lot of friends that I met that way. And 
that I stayed friends with because we were in that class together and I was literally the only person who was the next grade up. That so that would have been like, that would have been my class then that you had French with most of class of 2001 kids. Is that so interesting? So I took Japanese um, from middle school, and then I took it my freshman year in high school. I was terrible for honors Japanese. It was no English. I could not, I couldn't adapt. I couldn't figure it out. And I, it's like the only class I ever failed in high school. And the next year I had to take a new foreign language. So I took Spanish. And like you, I ended up in Spanish classes with all underclassmen because I was starting from scratch. So it was the exact same thing. And that's where like, I ended up like meeting just people from like class of 2002. Yeah, I actually regret taking French. I had Senor Gant. I loved him. Great teacher. But I still talk about to this day. I, I don't know anybody. I've never encountered a single person who speaks French. Um, I don't live in France or Canada. Um, and I regret not taking Spanish because I do come in contact with people who speak Spanish every day. And I think it would be helpful that I would be able to speak another language, which is why I made my child in ninth grade take Spanish. I don't know if I'll take it next year, but I was like, listen, you're not taking Latin. <laughs> you're not doing it. I would take Spanish or Japanese if I could remember any of those today. I would I would love it. Um, I feel so dumb when people are speaking Spanish and I've like I live in the you know the middle of a a, a large uh, community of of Spanish speaking uh, people and like I I have no idea what anyone's saying on any given basis. I just kind of act like I do, though. I like them to think that I'm listening, even though if I'm not participating, so that they don't talk about me. And so every, I just, every once in a while, you throw one of those. Yeah, I do. I literally do. When I'm in the bodega and people are talking, I'll just go like, <laughs> like I know what I'm like. I know what they're saying. They can be like, "This guy's a this guy's an asshole," and I'm just like, "You're right." <laughs> <laughs> I just also feel like it, at a health standpoint, like if someone needed help, I feel like I'm more likely to come across someone who speaks Spanish and I would love to be able to just always help people who need it. Mm. And I would hate to be like, I don't know how to help you if I don't understand what you're saying. Mm. So just things like that. Um, were you an only child? I am not an only child. Um, my mom and dad had my oldest brother, David, Charlie, and then me. And then when my parents divorced, um, my stepmom had already had two children of her own, which were Brian and Kim. So I'm the youngest of the five. Wow. Um, I, I mean, they've been my family since I was two. So they are always like brothers and sisters. There's no yeah. step or anything like that. Um, but yeah, so my brother, Charlie, is a year and nine months older than me and where everyone else is significantly older. So we got along the most. Um so you were, part. so you followed them in, followed your brother into Wizzahickon. He was, he was ahead of you already taking classes as you were coming up as well. Yeah. So when I was in eighth grade, he was in 10th grade. So okay. when I went into ninth grade, he was 11th grade. And I had, I had known most of his friends because every summer coming home from Pittsburgh, I'd spend one month at my dad's house. And so I would meet all of his friends. So going into school, I knew all of them, which was great. I had some upperclassmen who didn't, you know, want to make fun of me or whatever, but um, <laughs> which was useful. It was useful if I was like, that person's mean. They'd be like, you being mean to my sister. And a lot of people were really, I think, extra nice to me. They'd be like, oh, you're Charlie's sister. I'd be like, yes, I'm going to hone in on that. Not so much the teachers, though. They'd be like, you have an older brother, don't you? And I'd be like, ugh. 
Yep. Sure do. I was going to ask if the teachers ever now. like, yeah, if the teachers ever make that connection. Cause I would always hear that I'm an only child. So, but I would always hear like, Oh, you're so-and-so's brother. You're so-and-so's sister. I'm thinking like, God, is that good or a bad thing that they're making those connections? Like Maybe. Well, my oldest brother, Brian jumped out one of the two story windows at was and they had still talked about that when I was coming into school. Nice. He'd just be like, oh, Brian Tomer. And I'm like, yep. <laughs> I don't jump out windows. Don't worry. Fine. The, the Spider-Man. follower. The Spider-Man of Wizzahickon. Yeah, I think that um, I, I was probably the only, like, super well-behaved, never got in trouble, probably only went to a Saturday detention because I was, like, late to class too many times. Mm-hmm. I feel I, like it was Mr. Wexler, science. You had to like walk from like the furthest point and he was like in the middle of nowhere all the way in the back of the building. And I was always late to this class and he would always write me up. And I was like, my leg, I'm short. I only can move so fast. <laughs> but you're running a mile every day. That Which should tell you how hard I tried to get there. <laughs> you're probably just gassed from doing my, from, I've already done four miles today by Friday. It's really hard. Uh, did you date? Well, obviously you said by by senior year when when I had my eyes on you, you were already you were already dating. Yeah, I had. I feel like I dated someone each grade. Um, in ninth grade, I dated Ethan Dargy. In tenth oh, yeah. grade, Chris McQuaid, briefly. In eleventh um, grade, Sean Heaven, and in twelfth grade, Andrew Goldman. And then we also dated in college. Um. So at least Chris, I know, was my grade. So dating down, was that a product of Spanish class? No. I mean, our French, our French class, I'm sorry. No, I don't think he, I don't know. I, he probably took Spanish. I don't remember. Um, it was, he was a football player. So starting, I feel like in the summer when we're doing camps at the same time, I feel like we probably just noticed each other. Um, I didn't know any of the underclassmen. Like when I was in eighth grade, I knew nobody of seventh grade. Mm. So fast forward to 10th grade until they came into the school i didn't really know anybody um now you know you talked about not too many like not too clicky and stuff from your your perspective our class i felt despite what people say was clicky and i will tell you chris mcquade was in that top you know upper echelon i would say of like the popular kids um does that and it's a long time ago so you may not remember specifically but like when you're getting when you're getting a relationship with someone who's got like a whole bunch of other friends, is that like does that become a are you aware of that? Are you is are you like a whole new world to you of like, oh wow, there's like he's got like twenty five friends and they all party on weekends and Yeah, I mean we we hung out as a group with with a lot of those with Eric Malhorn, Pete Sampone, like a lot of those people. Um we also hung out like just by ourselves. Uh, I remember he worked at McDonald's, so he was pretty busy. What? <laughs> Wait, what? He did. Uh, Chris McQueen one... worked at McDonald's. Yeah, I think there was a used to be a McDonald's by um the old three hundred nine Cinema. I think that's the one he worked okay. at. Yeah. And wow. That blows my mind. My other good friend Andrea worked at that Subway right there. I think it's like now. I don't know if Subway's still there, but Whole Foods is next to the TCBY. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know. I used to get my hair cut at that hair cuttery. Oh, okay. <laughs> there used to be a Chuck E. Cheese there too, yep. I think. 
Yep. Crazy story about that Chuck E. Cheese. They were not a super clean place. And when we <laughs> lived in Texas, I came home to surprise a friend for a birthday party. And I had my son with me who was 18 months at the time. And we went there for the birthday party. The next day we left, got on a plane to go back to Texas. And when we got there, he couldn't walk. And he had contracted some sort of virus from that Chuck E. Cheese that like attacked his joints. Oh my so he God. could walk before getting on the plane, but by the time we got off, he just like would fall over. And so wow. we had to like go to like a children's type hospital and they had run all these tests and it was so scary. And then after a few days, he like got all of his mobility back. But I was like, yeah, I'm like, never going to Chuck E. Cheese again. You catch like meningitis or scurvy or something from the from the yeah. ball pit. We used to play there when we weren't kids. We used to like we'd go to the movies there when we were like, oh, we were kids, but we were like twelve. We were like too old to be playing in the ball pit. We should have only been hanging by the cart by the uh, arcades. But we would go and like just take over the ball pit and play tag and stuff in there. It was not a yeah that that whole area was not clean. <laughs> and and I don't know if that if that's even still there, but I know the Chuck E. Cheese by us is just an arcade now there is no ball pit there's no tunnels so i feel like they try to keep it on the cleaner level now but especially now yeah i don't think you can play out of ball pits feel like they're a thing of the way past now yeah. which sucks because they're so fun even though they're germy they were we had a ball pit also in at the ambler mcdonald's uh and i i loved we used to play there all the time too we'd play like tag and stuff and hide and go seek and in those places those were all great time it's funny like how simple the fun was because now i look at like playlands and i think i wouldn't do anything in there no yeah no we used to go to the ambler mcdonald's when i was in kindergarten because i lived on um what is it greenwood avenue okay yeah yeah off of like tennis yes yes it is off tennis so we would go there all the time and i remember like those giant hamburgers that you could like climb up in and then like maybe not get back out and like someone would have to come and rescue you and had like the bars going all the way across where the meat would be and you could look through the bars and yeah Uh and then when i moved back in high school in 12th grade when you're allowed to leave for lunch we would go there just to get fries like we weren't like eating all the mcdonald's food but we would go there all the time and now it's gone i was kind of sad when they moved it even though i don't live there anymore there wasn't a lot of places to go to lunch, though. McDonald's was kind of it. For like a quick, hey, I got 35-minute period. Yeah, it was like the McDonald's. You could maybe hop up 309. Wawa. Yeah, you go to Wawa. You could hop up to like the Taco Bell. But other than that, in our area in that time, it was like that Rich's other place was like the big like lunch oh, spot. Yeah. But yeah. you needed like an hour to get there to do that. Yeah. I mean, now you probably just order from an app and you pick it up. And pick it up. Like I get my – Waiting in the car for the cheese stick. Kids have it so easy these days. (laughs) We had to go in everywhere. (laughs) We had to walk inside. I go to places now and and like I'll see like a McDonald's or something and I'll be at the drive through and then they'll have a sign on the window that says pick up here. And I'm thinking they got pick up for McDonald's. I can't even like even delivery for McDonald's is unfathomable. I'm like, especially with the charges. Right. Yes. The charges are up there, especially now. They added even more charges with all the gas increases. Mm-hmm. We went to order a pizza the other day, and the upcharge was $18. I'm like, I live three minutes from you. I'll just walk How? over there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I am definitely, I feel like all the people I talk to who 
were obviously in high school at one point hated it. Like, I'm like, I loved high school. I loved seeing my friends every day. Again, I never really lived in a neighborhood. So like high school was the place where I, I got to see everybody every day. I always worked. I feel like I worked really hard at getting a grade. So I did also like most of my teachers. Hmm. And it just was like a positive experience. What kind of grades did you get? Uh, well, not in math. <laughs> Skip <laughs> that I, one. A's and B's. A's and B's. Um, I think to do sports for most sports, you had to have at least a C. So I know my math grade never dropped below a C, but it just was never going to be a... I mean, I guess I got a couple 3.0 GPO, GPO, GPAs at some point but I feel like I was never a straight A student but I always worked really I don't think I was a good test taker Mm. good at like getting my homework done and preparing for tests but then I'd take a test and be like what and then I was I was terrible I don't know how this happened I was a terrible studier I couldn't the whole style of like you know writing notes copying notes on the board from the board and or the transparent sheet I couldn't I was just not good at retaining information I could listen but if I'm now I'm just like writing, I'm I'm like, I don't know if it's an OCD thing, but I'm like, okay, got to get this Roman numeral one and then capital letter A and then lo- and then a number one and lowercase a. I was like so preoccupied with the format of the outline and making it look good that I was not really paying attention to the lecture. And I certainly never went back and read the notes again for a test. I kind of feel like studying as the kids call it. <laughs> Had we had we been allowed to have phones then, like we could have just like been like and take a picture, and then you would you would take it all in more. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like yeah, I wasn't I wasn't good at taking notes either. Uh, did you? So you went in ninth grade and you do cosmet- cosmetology. You hate it. What happens to like your ideas of future career? Are you back on? Maybe I want to be a teacher. Yeah. So I decided to go back on that same path. Um, I had actually, my senior year, I had applied to a few schools. Um, The guidance counselor never sent out any of my applications. And it happened to like two other people who had my same guidance counselor. And I will say that not that I feel like I wasn't a smart person at all, but these kids were probably applying to like top schools. And they were had then they by the time they applied they were waitlisted because they were completely screwed over by her. Um, so I ended up going to Montgomery County Community College for two years, graduated with my associates, and then I transferred to Temple. And then I went to Temple Ambler, so I never really had to go into the city. Mm. And so I did go for early education. And then the first school I worked at surprisingly was Alyssa Hicken. Get out as a, as a temp sub. For that whole first year what was that like going back um, where did you I where mean, did you go to the high school or another school uh, you were all over as a sub they basically call you at 6 a.m the morning of and say this is where we'll need you occasionally you'll get a job where they're like okay this teacher's out for two weeks so you'll be here every day for two weeks so literally every school i was at um the high school was the funnest because i was there the longest but people like teachers would be like, Hey, you're late for class. And I'd be like, I'm a teacher. And <laughs> nobody would believe me. I'm like, how many other high school kids are dressed like this? <laughs> and so that was, that was rough, but 
just because I felt like so accomplished and then someone would be like, Hey student. And I'd be like, no, (laughs) Um, that was old me. That was old me. But I had only, I had only worked in West Hicken for one year. And then my husband and I went on vacation to Texas and bought a home. And one month later we moved. Wow. You just loved it. Well, yes. And no, um, (laughs) the housing there, like you're getting a brand new house with like a huge house with a, a custom pool and hardwood floors and AC and all these things. And we were, we were looking at homes already in King of Prussia. And they were houses that were a hundred years old that needed everything. And they were three to 400,000. Well, in Texas, our home was 136 K. Wow. What part of Texas? We we were North Texas. So we were Arlington. Okay. So it's like maybe an hour from Dallas. Mm -hmm. So we just kind of weighed those options and was like, uh, yeah, I would rather have this than stay in Pennsylvania. And so we moved within a month. I did not get a teaching job there. Something fun they like to do every year is they hire like all these teachers and then they fire them when they don't need as many as they hired. So it was like never going to be a stable position. Um, we had our baby within four months. Well, we got pregnant with our child within four months of living there. So then we also now we're going to have a baby. So I'm like, well, now definitely no one's going to hire me now that I'm going to have to take time off. Right. So while living there, I went back to being a nanny, which is what I did in high school too. Besides Coneheads, I also worked with a family and after school, I would go there. Their kids would get home after I was, you know, done 12th grade. And um, I worked for them for five years. So oh, wow. working with kids was easy. And then um, in Texas, I ended up being a nanny the whole time. And I worked for a really great family there for five or six years as well. How at that at that point uh, of you making that switch, how committed did you feel to teaching that now you're realizing like this is not going to happen? Is that a heartbreak? Is that like, oh, well, let me just figure something like how how did you process that? How's that feel? Well, I will say with uh, in Texas, a lot of teaching is different there where um, the pay is significantly lowered where like I knew kindergarten teachers who made $90,000 because they had their master's degree versus making $30,000 as a teacher with your bachelor's. I mean, it was like, I could make that same amount as a nanny. So why would I, and it's a more flexible position. Ultimately there's also no lesson plan as a nanny. Very Lesson plans horrible. Nobody likes to do them. But um, another thing with, obviously with being a teacher, there's a union and there's benefits, but my husband had benefits, so I didn't really need them. And um, as the years went on, the more teachers I knew, and I have a, I have a lot of friends who are teachers, mm-hmm. they hated it. Because then there was all about teaching to the test. And right. all they needed to do was to, for you to get high scores on all those state funding tests they have to do because or else they wouldn't get the funding. And I just thought, well, that sounds terrible. That's just, it's just not what it seemed like growing up, what a teacher was. I thought the kids showed up and that you gave them your everything and you were kind to them and you helped mold them into that next year they were going to. And it's just as much as 
I'd like to believe teachers still do that. A lot of them are broken, especially right. after the past two years. Good friends that are like, they, I just know oh, there was like defeat there. And that makes me sad because I know they all have such big hearts, but I just now knowing what I know, it's just not ever going to be the job for me. What sparked that passion in the first place? You mentioned that prior to going in cosmetology, which was your mom's influence, you thought you did want to be a teacher. Why, when you were so, when you were younger, did you want to be a teacher? You had spent your time pretending you were in an office. Yeah, I think that my first grade teacher was just so loving and caring. And every day you came into school, she was just so excited to see you. And you never walked into that class and thought, I just want to be home or we're going to do all this work. Like it didn't feel that way. And I did have some teachers growing up that I wasn't like crazy about, but she just made it so like she would even give us papers to take home for fun. And then I would make my mom do them just so I could grade them. I'm sure she loved that. She was like, ah. I'm like, just do anything. It doesn't matter. I just need to grade it. <laughs> um, and that's, that kind of stuff was fun to me. But now there's just so much put on T. I don't think teachers get paid nearly enough. No, like they no, need not to at all. Triple. So, um, yeah, I just, I think it, it takes a special person to do that job. That's so interesting because, you know, being that it was your first grade teacher, because that was right when you had moved to Pittsburgh. Right. So I'm curious, like, had you had stayed, it was a Hicken, would you have had that passion growing up of wanting to be a teacher with, you know, Mrs. Graybill or whoever was the, you know, first grade teacher? Well, I don't know, but my kindergarten teacher at Madison Avenue was Mrs. Jones. Same. Loved her. Me too. And when I moved, she gave me this little brown bag of like glue sticks and stuff for me to like take with me. And when I came back in eighth grade, I went back to Madison Avenue just so I could see her. She was still there and she absolutely remembered me. Wow. I think, I mean, she was top teacher. Yeah, I remember. I mean, I went to Madison too for for my first four years uh, before the Shady Grove move, uh, fourth grade. Um, but yeah, I, I remember all of my teachers, uh, but Mrs. Jones is like the, f- like first best, Yeah. you know, when you talk about like, it's like, oh, it started off great with her. She was awesome. Yep. She really was. What do you think if you hadn't been, if you hadn't been into teaching, did you have a second thing that you thought, like what, what schools were you applying to? Um, I applied to Westchester. Um, Penn State, Temple. I think those. I think it was just really just those three. Or at least the ones that you were that you had wanted to apply to that never got the application. Right. But and what do you do? You think that it would have always been teaching? Did you have anything else in your back pocket that you you thought maybe you wanted to do could be good at? No, I absolutely didn't. Now I kind of think like knowing the person I am today, I kind of think I would have really thrived if I worked in like the NIC unit in a hospital where you're caring for those babies. Um, I know that it's not always happy times there, but there's there's a lot of happy times looking at cute little babies all day. Um, I'd like to think when I'm older that I'll volunteer my time to be one of the people who just like holds the babies, gets to rock them back to sleep or feed them or whatever help they need. I don't know. I could be day in day one and be like, I can't do it. But I do, I do really love kids, but 
did you have a focus when you were in educate when you're in education of where you wanted to end up for a grade or a, a subject for first teaching? Well, I always wanted to do kindergarten or first grade. I yeah. really love the younger kids. You don't get to choose. So you oh. could be a kindergarten teacher for 20 years and all of a sudden your district can say, okay, now you're going to be a fifth grade teacher. Like it just depends on where you are and if they want to give you a say or not. I didn't um, know that. But each each district's different. But they also, you know, state to state. I'm sure there's different rules state to state. I don't know a lot of teachers in Texas to know how they're different. But most of the Texas I, uh, teachers I know are here. Mm. Just because because all, with you saying Nick Unit and then um, and then your experience with with nannying and then I was wondering, I was like. I, I feel like that's kind of that is like the wheelhouse that you were going to say as far as like much younger versus like, I want to teach 16 year olds. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, that sounds terrible. <laughs> My son's 14 turning 15 this summer. And no, I don't think he's very polite, very respectful kid. But no, I cannot but imagine. His friends. Maybe no. <laughs> his friends are all deviants. And then girls on top of it. So again, my daughter, who's 10, I have coached the past couple of years, helped out with her teams and stuff. And she, again, is a very shy, quiet girl. But some of these girls are at like a level 10. And I'm I, I'm definitely going to age myself again when I go, I wish I could just bottle up your energy because you're like, do you ever stop? Like, it's a lot. And it's it's not even just their energy. It's the amount of talking. <laughs> you feel like they're never going to stop talking. You're like, what? What are you saying? <laughs> did you did you ever think about taking uh, cheerleading into college? I mean, I know I don't I don't know if I don't think Monco has a, a cheerleading no, team, so that would have kiboshed Temple it. Did. Um, Temple did. By that time, I had met my husband. We were living together, and it was just like I had already was work. I was a waitress, and I was a nanny. And I was just not, and then school full time, I wasn't, there was no way I was going to add in another thing. Yeah. Um, I did pledge a sorority that did not work out. Again, it was too much. Like they wanted you to be there for all of these extra things. And it was like, I was already spread so thin. Mm. So an ambl a temple uh, ambler sorority. Yes. Well, that sounds, that's a lot of qualifiers. There's a lot. There is a lot of sororities that camp out there and they were, it wasn't big. I feel like there was like eight or nine girls uh -huh. and then they take in some new pledges. I don't know how many people made it to the end, but wow. I didn't. Um, I feel like I'm already a functioning adult. Like I wasn't a child. Like I feel like when you're like 18 and 19, you're still really a child. So going into something like that, you're probably don't have two jobs and in mm. school full time, your parents are probably paying for all of your stuff where I was paying for all of my stuff. So I feel like that level of, a, I was probably really 25 <laughs> as a 19 year old. Mm. Where were you waitressing at that point then? I worked at Hooters for six years. Oh, get out. Thinking. Yeah. The one in, uh, so Which is that also like a sorority. <laughs> yeah. That was like a, that boy that so that was like always a place I didn't think as a kid I was allowed to go into and I remember like maybe oh. 
maybe like senior year of high school. I had a few older friends from from Wizzahickon, and I want to say like maybe like maybe like junior, maybe even sophomore. I don't think I drove yet, so sophomore, junior year, maybe at the most. But like they would pick me up and we'd go to uh, like one time we like went to Hooters in, in the one on Delaware Avenue, um, uh. and it was like oh my god, like can we get in here? And I was so unimpressed by the wings. Oh. <laughs> Uh, it definitely depends on where you go um we i was in the king of prussia one which was right next to red lobster it's not Mm -hmm. there anymore they moved it but it It was was, like all by itself off on the side i remember yeah yeah but a lot of families went in there you'd be surprised how many like full family like the white kids wasn't no, no, I had, I've had like uh, family members that like uh, had an uncle that used to have his baseball, like his baseball. Like I said, we used to go for ice cream. They would take the kids to Hooters. Yeah, we have. <laughs> a lot of people would bring for like car washes and stuff would be in the parking lot. And I mean, people would be like, oh, I'm already coming to get my lunch. I might as well get my car washed and they would make a ton of money for their fundraisers. Um, good job. A couple other girls from our high school work. Really? Yeah. It was like, I mean, your basic weight job. Mm-hmm. I mean, you say that, but like in a, in a, like a, um, hormone fueled, you know, high school, someone's working, you hear about someone's working at Hooters. All you think about is like, Oh, the size of their boobs. Like that's when you're like 16 years old, that's all that would come into your mind. And I imagine that's what most of the grown men. Well, so. You would know, so you would probably think that, and probably other people might have experienced that, but I didn't. Most of the people just came in, order food like it was any other place, and left. You'd have regulars, but even they wouldn't be inappropriate because they know if they were, they'd, they'd be asked to leave. So okay. I never really encountered anything like that in the six years that I worked there, but our managers were also pretty good at if it was a Friday or Saturday night and someone had drank too much and was like getting too rowdy to like make them leave before I guess they could do anything Mm -hmm. like that. I had actually never heard of it. It was my senior year when other boys that were graduating with me were like, Oh, we went to Hooters last night. And then they just kept talking about it. I'm like, what is this place everyone's going to? And I looked it up and I'm like, Oh, it's a restaurant. And then my friend Jenny was like, let's go get jobs there. So then we did. And then a year or two later, uh, another one of our good friends, Lisa Heverly, got yeah. a job there. Yep. And she worked there probably just as long as I did. Um, yeah. When you get there, I'm so curious about this, about just like the realization of like the shirts and the, and the shorts. When you get that, are you like, oh my God, do you get body conscious? Are you just like, ah, whatever. Like, just fucking turn on the personality and make the tips and whatever. Well, I, I guess you, there are probably people who are body conscious. Um, our, our location, they hired people of all shapes and sizes. We even had people who were pregnant who worked there. They were very oh, wow. accommodating. Um, honestly, the stockings hold most of you in. So if you're putting on a pair of shorts and a tank top, I mean, you're still more covered than if you're wearing a bikini on the beach. So it wasn't really like, that big of a deal to me i still hear stories about like hooters uh clothing and how there's like bootleg uh or stores that are doing or restaurants that do like bootleg clothing and so they like 
they pull out like the skimpier clothes and make the girls wear that. It's not like the regulated Hooters clothing in certain restaurants. Oh, so that I don't know. Okay. It's been a very long time. I think I, when I left there in 2006 is when I moved to Texas and then didn't work there when I lived in Texas. Um, there are definitely other restaurants that aren't Hooters that have just as skimpy outfits. I mean, the Tilted Kilt. Tilted Kilt, yeah. They wore like a top and then a super short skirt. I don't think that I could have had my stomach exposed. Like just personally, I feel like that would have been just like, just for the fact that food would, I feel like it would burn you. Like if some, like if a wing fell on my stomach, like I had a, a thick shirt to protect me, but like had out the fryer. I just think of like the practical part of it. Like I don't want a French fry burn, yeah, burning grease. me because I'm not wearing yeah, yeah, grease splatters on your on your stomach are not are not fun once you're not working there anymore. You go, oh, this is my this is my memory from Hooters right here. <laughs> this this third degree burn on my belly button. The good old days. Let me tell you about this wing shaped mark here. <laughs> this is a flat. <laughs> uh, did you did you did you grow to love buffalo wings, hate buffalo wings, or indifferent? You know, I, I don't feel like I ate a lot of wings when I worked there. They had buffalo shrimp that were my favorite. Oh, yeah, that is good. And so those were pretty good. Um, they probably lost their their appeal in so many years because probably rewind five or six years ago, my husband does a lot of fantasy football leagues, and that's one of the places they used to meet. So I'd be like, oh, bring me back some buffalo shrimp. And then he'd bring it to me, and I'd be like, well, these don't taste good. It's not like you remember it. He's so disappointed. And I'm like, I don't know if it's because it, the time it took you to drive it to me and it wasn't like fresh out the, you know, fry basket or what. But it, yeah, it wasn't as good as I remember. No, that's how it always is. Listen, I did a decade working at Wawa. And to this day now, when I eat, when I eat a, a Wawa hoagie, I'm so let down. I'm so oh. disappointed at the taste. It's nothing like, like what it used to be back in the 90s, back before, you know. Mm-hmm. Everything was organic. I used to have the crappiest Wawa order that whenever someone was going to Wawa, they would not get a hoagie for me because I would just, and you know, you had to order over the counter. There were right, no right. like yeah. orders or anything. When we did it, we had the, we had the slip with the grease pencil that we'd have to mark up for you. And then we'd hand you the slip yeah. with a number on it. And so my order was always just like lettuce, tomato, onion, banana peppers. And then I would get, two slices of American cheese, no meat. And they'd be like, just the two? And they would charge me $2 because they didn't feel like I was getting anything. But I, I never wanted to call it a cheese hoagie because then they would put like Six. 20 pieces of cheese on it and it was like too much cheese and I didn't want to be wasteful because I was just going to take it off and throw it away. So I would always be like super crazy. And to this day, my brother's like, I'm not getting you a hoagie. And I'm like, I don't eat like that anymore. <laughs> What would you get a shorty, a shorty, the shorty cheese hoagie? No, I would always get a classic. Oh, wow. So you're getting two pieces on a classic. Yeah, that's supposed to get like eight pieces of cheese. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> I would have definitely, let me tell you, that would always be, so there's always like, just like you, your brain, when you're making orders, you just want to like, okay, let me run down this thing. And so whenever anyone deviates from that, you just look at them like, seriously. And, and then yeah. like your brain can't figure out how to like jump back in line, like, all right, I'll just do what they say because you're just so used to following like the 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 policy. Right. 
how you're supposed to do it. Yeah, that makes sense. I just never wanted to be wasteful. It was a lot of cheese, though, also. <laughs> it was a lot of cheese. And, uh, you know, you mentioned that Subway. That's why I like Subway, because Subway had, I thought, better, like, green vegetables. Like, that. I liked that they had, like, spinach and jalapenos. And... Yeah. Subway? So, I liked old school Subway when they cut the tap out. Oh, yeah. Sideways. And I would always get the, uh, the Subway seafood and crab, which I know is not real crab. But it was my favorite. And when I moved to Texas, they don't have that there. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> I was so disappointed. I once drove an hour to a location just because they had it. And it was like the best day of my life. You know who told us about, who told me about the seafood and crab and that it's not real crab? Uh, Mr. Rezepka <laughs> from Econ. He owned, uh, he franchised uh, yes, Subways. I remember that. And he would give those examples and he would talk about like, you know, crabs started increasing in price. And so his option was to go to imitation crab or raise the price of of the seafood and crab sandwich. And he'd talk about, you know, weighing the pros and cons of losing customers because you're giving them imitation crab versus those that are just willing to pay the increase. Right. Now, you know what? I'm going to tell you, ever since I lived in Pittsburgh, first grade, Subway was always one of my favorite places to eat. My mom said, where do you want to go? I'd say Subway. And I've always gotten imitation crab. I've never, ever had real crab at any Subway. Wow. And I, although I I actually like the imitation crab better if it's going to be on a sandwich. Like I love crab by itself, Mm -hmm. but um, now I don't eat it because it has a lot of sugar in it. Really? Crab does? Well, the imitation stuff. Imitation crab. Okay. they're making it out of like Pollock and other stuff, but they always add in a crap ton of sugar with everything. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, I'm, uh, I don't do imitation crab ever. In fact, I don't even like, like, was it crab stick and sushi? I'm like, don't give me that oh, stuff either. Imitation too. Yeah. yeah. Like, don't give me that at all. I don't want that. I'll take something. I'll take squid, whatever. Like no crab, no imitation crab. You had mentioned like a Miss Pennsylvania uh is that what did you what, did, what was it called miss pennsylvania like beauty, a beauty pageant is that what it was yeah, it was miss, it was the state miss pennsylvania state pageant and where does that come I from i don't know how i got asked to do that but once you're asked to do it you have to fill out like all these applications and if they accept you you then have to go like within your community and get all these sponsors and you have to raise like a significant amount of money towards the pageant, which I guess is just to like show that your community's behind you because mm. essentially when you become it, you have to travel all over the state and do things for, you know, make appearances and all that stuff. Um, so I filled out the stuff, they got accepted. I raised all the funds and then um, I had moved to Texas. So I had flew back to go to the pageant knowing like I'm fulfilling this obligation, but I obviously couldn't win. I didn't live there anymore. Um, but I think I came in 19th for that okay. year. Um, you don't get anything for that, <laughs> by the way. Um, I have lots of princess crowns, but none of them are for actually winning anything. <laughs> Was that the only one or were there like regional competitions that you had to like go through or just the one no. and done? That was it. Um, once you do that, I'm, there's other pageants you can do to get up to like, you know, I think the owner of that pageant is Donald Trump. 
So oh, is that like the Miss Universe? Room. Yeah, like eventually you can get to there. Yeah, um, one where so, he's in the locker rooms with the girls changing that one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, did you luck out. <laughs> I did. <laughs> and I was 24 when I was in that turning. I just, I was actually just turning 25. It was like a week later. And you can only do those pageants until you're 26 anyway. Okay. And I also didn't know it at the time, but I was also pregnant. So you also can't do them if you have children. So there's lots of rules because that I would have qualified. Yeah, after that. But but yeah, that was always a fun little secret that I was there this whole time. And I was never like it was, you know, I was an um, undercover. <laughs> that's a pretty like heavy commitment, though, I, I would imagine, like having to get all the signatures and everything. Did you get your hopes high for it? Were you were you ever were you just like, uh, I mean, I know you don't you don't remember how, but. Were you just like, well, we'll just see what happens? Did you ever take it very seriously? I thought that it would be something fun to do. Um, I didn't think that I would be accepted and asked to do it. Um, I knew that I, like, I had a lot of family and friends that were, like, small business owners. So I knew that that, that part would be probably the easiest thing to do. Going there and, and being around what I think was over 100 other girls, that was a lot. They were from all over. Most of them were really, really nice. Some of them were very serious about it. Yeah. At that point, when I had to like do interviews and stuff, I just had fun with it because I was like, doesn't matter how serious I can be with it. They're like, I can't get chosen. So honestly, when they asked me questions, I talked about my dog. <laughs> <laughs> uh, where'd you meet your husband? Um, so we met at Pepper's restaurant in King of Prussia. Okay. It, it was a spot that a lot of girls from work would, it's like right across the street and we would go there after work. I worked mostly days, so it wasn't like no one was going there at 5 PM. Mm -hmm. But that night I was supposed to meet my best friend somewhere. The blue dog cafe. I don't know if you. Yeah. In Lansdale. Not the one in Lansdale. There's a the second one, in, one. Yeah. The one in Chalfont. So we get there and there I know is all like the blue dogs. Yeah. And there's a line out the door of 50 people and the place is probably closing in 30 minutes. And she's like, come inside. And I'm like, they're not letting anybody in. So then I called my friend Kelly and said, where do you want to meet? And she said, how about peppers? It was like a Tuesday night. There was probably six people in the whole place. Nice. And I was with her and we were playing darts and my husband was with his friends and they were playing pool. And my friend had put quarters up to play with them because he was, you know, by himself. And somehow his quarters went missing. So when his quarters went missing, one of his friends came over to be like, hey, I know you had quarters up there. I don't know where they went. Do you want to just play with us? And so he was like, yeah. And so eventually he came over to talk to me. And um, but the, the pickup line that I tried to completely ignore was I went over to the bar to check my phone. And again, nobody is sitting at the whole entire bar. It's just my stuff. And I go to look at my phone and he says to me, you don't have to call me. I'm sitting right here. And I just, just try to like, no, nope, because I couldn't, like, I wanted to laugh, but I didn't want to pay someone a stranger attention. Like mm -hmm. I just, that wasn't my personality, but he came over and started talking to us. We probably talked for two hours. Uh, at the end of the night, I gave him my phone number. He didn't ask me for it. I had never given anyone my phone number before. I was like, and then he called me and the next day and we talked for like three hours. And wow. now next month we celebrate 19 years. He does not talk on the phone. We do not call <laughs> each other. 
text her? He, he texted me and that's it. So like looking back at that time, like he was like, you really spent some time thinking if, do I want to take her out on a date? But we did. Then we went to our first date was Reed's and Bluebell. <laughs> well, which, of course, the other, the other, the other staple of the suburbs. Because why not? I had yeah. actually never been there before then. Oh, really? I had always gone out to the city. I had never gone locally because everyone knew me locally. They'd be like, she's not old enough to be here. Mm. But I was 21 when I met him. So now you can hit the big spots like Reed's now that you're yeah. <laughs> legally able to drink the big warehouse then, with a bar in the middle. Yes, basically. But I always thought it was fun. They had a dance floor. They always had live music. Oh, Reed's uh, was always know. popping. I saw Yin Yang twins at Reed's once. It was that place was. <laughs> Yeah, Reed's Reed's had it going on in its in its day. But I mean, they had a dance floor. He mm -hmm. danced that first night. He's not a dancer, so that was like a bait and switch. <laughs> but yeah, basically from that day on, we we spent every day together, and then we moved in together like right away. And then Texas happened, and then he wanted. We had two children there. I have uh, both Jackson and Taylor. And when she was one, he said, you know, I'd rather just like live closer to your family. You have, I have a bigger family and most of them live here. And he just wanted more of that family atmosphere for them. Mm. Um, he had moved all over his whole life. He was born in the Netherlands. His dad was in the military. He oh, lived wow. in all over the country. Um, so he doesn't so, call a singular place home necessarily. I think Pennsylvania, he, I, I want to say, I know he definitely went to high school there. I don't know how old he was when he moved to Pennsylvania. He lived in Upper Marion. That's the school he went to. Oh, okay. I, I feel like because he went there for like his high school career, that's probably where he does call home. But I, he, I also think he's lived here the longest. Okay. He definitely yeah, was, has lived the longest. <laughs> I was going to say so many things about that are just like so foreign about the way you guys met is so foreign to like modern day to just have like a, a very simple, like, accidental kind of like meeting of someone to where it's not like it's not like this it's not a, a dating app even yeah. down to like you when you said i gave him my number like <laughs> like i gave him a, like that doesn't even, yeah like that doesn't even ever happen nowadays even if you were to meet someone it would be like pulling out the it was like hey let me get your number here yeah yeah i just said to him last night i said you know what if we had never met? I'm like, do you, do you think you would be married right now? And he said, I do think I'd be married. And I'm like, I don't know. I feel like I'm an easy person to live with, but I feel like we were supposed to meet when we did. And mm. that's why 19 years later, it's still all fluid. When you were younger, did you have any like thoughts about family, kids? Was that something that was like in your... Yeah, I always wanted I had a plan my plan was I was gonna have a baby when I was 27 okay it was gonna be a boy and that was it okay and then at 25 which I thought I was way too young to have kids I had my son was a boy mm -hmm. and then I just so many people once you have kids are like when are you having another kid well when are you having another baby and I'm like I just had a baby yeah, too, I'm gonna need so many people need to mind their business yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I just always thought well when he's potty trained maybe we'll try to have another baby but he was potty trained like so fast like he's so smart and then I thought oh well maybe when he's in preschool but then when he was in preschool I was like, and then when he was in kindergarten I'm like 
they're already in kindergarten. They're already going to be five years apart. So five, they're five years apart. Okay. Um, did you, did you, uh, want them, did you have a difference? You talk about like the schools in Texas. Did you have a strong feeling one way or another as that was like approaching of, I know the Pennsylvania thing just kind of like happened out of, out of wanting to come closer to family, but was there any, like, we got to get them out of these Texas schools. This isn't going to do it. Want to bring Like, do you have an affinity for like PA education system? Yeah, no, Texas has better schools. Really? They were learning things a year before my friend's kids here were learning them. Get out. So we were definitely happy with our school system there. Interesting. And and I also, because I was a nanny, I I also took care of older kids who were in, you know, the same type of school system, but not the same district. And it was pretty, there was pretty open throughout the board and it was I don't know I just I wish it was like that here what's the uh, I'm curious what is the the is it just the speed is it the subjects that they're that they're shoving in at an early like what is it that, that makes it so different you know I actually personally think it's the little monthly awards they would give the kids they would find a way to celebrate every kid but not in a oh it's Jackson's turn to be star of the month they would find out like Who's being a good citizen? Who who did we recognize helping other kids? Oh, who really excelled in their computer program this month? Mm. And they would find a way to show those kids like where they were really good at and, and recognize them in the whole school for it. And I feel like that just makes a difference in mm. kids who are just sitting there who are never recognized. Like, sure, there's always going to be these star athletes and these academic kids who are, who are up there. But what about everybody else? And I feel like they were really good at like making them shine in whatever they were good at. And that, that showed in their, their academic. That's a great point. I talk often about, um, you know, we had safeties in in our elementary school. I don't know if you saw it in your kindergarten in in Madison, but uh, you know, we had safeties, uh, we had enrichment programs. Uh, I wasn't in any of that stuff. I was never like the kid to be pulled out into any special program. Um, wasn't targeted for AP by my guidance counselor in middle school. Uh, I didn't have any. I was just like a very middle of the road CP, you know, class kid that never got recognized for anything to particular. I think that's why I gravitated towards the arts because that was the only thing where I could like stand out and like, oh, you get a, you get to do this in the play or you get to do this or at the most we'd have like assemblies and you'd maybe like read a poem or something in front of like all the parents and stuff. And that would be like my right. only time to get to shine was to like read this poem or something. Um, and I do think, I do wish I had something that like, when you say computers, like I was great at computers. Like I just wish there was something like that, that gave me a little bit of like boost versus feeling like, boy, I must be like number 258 of like 260 kids in this class. Right. Right. And it's, it's even hard when you play sports, because again, if you're not that shining star, but you're still part of the team, like they're, they're just not really recognizing you where I feel like it, in the school system in Texas, they were very on point with that kind of stuff. Interesting. Did and you I, do- don't, I don't necessarily know if that was only elementary or if it projected onto middle school for them, but I, I do hope that those teachers continue to do that because 
That's big. Yeah, but you know what though? Like those are the things that I think help uh, when you're as you're getting closer to to like we have to start looking at college. And you talked about like all the things in life that like everything we learn, none of that stuff really prepares you. I do wish that there was something because I feel like in elementary school when you're doing like art or computer or whatever, like those are the the ages where like you can push a kid toward a something different other than just like, well, I'm good at history or I'm good at science or I'm good at math like those are kind of like the extra ones that like help push you into a into a path that maybe you didn't see and i know for me especially like i know i thought i was going to go into i thought i was going to do musicals i thought i was going to go to broadway or or you know be an actor or something like that and i know that there were different times there were times when like that wasn't working and i was just like i don't know what else i would do i've never been recognized in any other thing other than arts you know and and so i don't I have no clue what else that could be it was like, for me, that was like very, you know, difficult. Yeah, absolutely. My, my son, he's in high school right now. And they're like, well, next year he could take Spanish too, or he could take photography too. And I'm like, well, ask him what he wants to do because he's got to make the choice. I mean, I hope that he chooses Spanish because he likes to take pictures, but in photography, they use old school cameras where you have right. to develop the film. And while I think it's cool to learn that, that's just not today's world. So I'm like, I need them to be on today's level because does he want to be a photographer? I don't know. But if he does, like, great, keep doing that. But I also kind of feel like when I took ceramics class in 12th grade that it was a waste. I loved doing it, but it did not prepare me for one thing today. I know ceramics not exactly in that in that world. I'm like thinking of like your mugs and stuff with uh, with like different art and stuff. I'm very curious about um not just that, but then, you know, obviously you've got a gang of oils behind you. Where did this uh, uh, entrepreneurship um, aspect of, of your life, how did this all start? Well, when we were moving home from Texas, uh, my husband wanted to move home. His name's Dan. Dan wanted to move home. I did not. I loved it there. The people were friendly. Um, nobody had road rage like they do here. Like every, every highway is like 16 lanes. So you could just get get where you were going here you're, you're stuck behind one slow person and that person has ruined your whole day i just so, told my girlfriend that philly drivers are a different breed i think more than new york it's a different breed than anywhere else in this country yeah i would agree and so i just i just loved everything about it there i also love the weather like the, i didn't love the tornadoes that was a little scary okay. towards the end we didn't have to experience a lot of that but there was one pretty scary year um, so I said, moving home that I wanted to be able to work from home. Um, so I could be with the kids because I, when I had worked there, I drove an hour and 15 minutes to work each day, sometimes several hours home because of accidents or whatever. And I was just outside of the home 70 hours a week. And I had, you know, this baby that I wasn't spending all this time with. So fast forward to he's five, and now I have a new baby who's turning one that I just wanted to be able to be accessible to them. So in the home we were moving into had a side entrance, which I made into a daycare. So mm. it was called the learning room. And that's where I actually had several people from high school bring their kids there. They, you know, remembered me from high school. They trusted me. Um, one of those people's Andrew Pileggi, we're actually going on vacation together next oh, month. Wow. Like, we're all still good friends. I just saw him um, at the car show this weekend, too. Oh, yeah. Love that dude. He's so funny. Um, so I did that. And then I did that basically until we moved to Exeter. I'm in Exeter now, which is a sub, like, of Reading. 
And so I wanted to be home then. So when I was there, I started making organic um, skincare products. And that was fun for a while. But then it got to be a lot. And so my husband was like, what if we had like a mug making business where we could put whatever we wanted on mugs and um, just like from our home. So by we, he met me. <laughs> so <laughs> we figured it out and we started making mugs and all the mugs that he would tell me to make were like flops. Like nobody wanted to buy them. I got a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> he used to say hotcakes. They're going to sell like hotcakes. But God bless his heart. He is such a hard worker. And he was just, you know, working 12-hour days, sometimes six days a week. So he really just wasn't even home to be doing the mugs anyway. And then um, I would just basically, like, you would say, hey, Leah, and I'd like to put this on a mug. I'd put it on a mug, and then I'd put it in my Etsy shop. And other people would want to buy it, too. So I always yeah. just went off what customers wanted. Smart. But we had two really big mugs that blew up that in like a month grossed over ten thousand dollars wow our first mug was when trump was elected and it said i hate when i wake up in the morning and donald trump is still president now that was a saying for obama it was a saying for bush like we didn't come up with it it's just whoever the president is you put mm -hmm. it on the mug people who don't like him will buy it and everybody bought it like so many mugs like we were a mug factory I felt like I wasn't sleeping. I had shipped so many mugs wow. and people continued to buy that over the next four years. Um, I did make pro Trump mugs that people were like, well, what about, what about this? What about that? And I said, well, we'll make any mug that you want, not any mug. Like I had some, sure. rules. but any mug that's, if someone wants to order it, I'm not, not going to make it. They, they just didn't sell. They weren't the big sellers. Sure. <laughs> the next biggest seller was during COVID when Tiger King hit. Oh yeah. Like, people could not stay away from it. It was like the trashier looking the mug, the better. Like they ate it up. People were buying 10 mugs at a time to give out to their coworkers in COVID. Oh god. Because nobody was watching anything but that. And it was like that was three, probably three months of not being able to stop. Like I couldn't keep mugs in my house. I was ordering thousands at a time. Oh, that's hilarious. And it was just, so it was fun. Um, and then I branched out to t-shirts. A lot of people love personal t-shirts. Um, I love to make onesies. Not a lot of people buy as many onesies because mm -hmm. they just like you know, buy something cute from the store. Um, that's my my favorite item to make. And obviously, obviously that's following the trend <laughs> of like every like you with little babies that's like kind of the trend for you yeah there it is again you're right <laughs> and then um four years ago um another friend from school eric benstemacher who i'd yeah. also watched his baby in the learning room tyson his wife courtney and i had become good friends and she had been using young living for a couple years so i had joined one of her facebook groups just to be like you know supporting my friend being present in her group and I just decided like, I'm going to buy a bunch of oils. So I did. And the story behind that is my daughter, Taylor, when she turned one, she stopped taking naps. So she would not, I mean, kids are supposed to take naps probably until like three. Most kids just take it. They need it. Leanne, and I took she, a nap up until an hour before we started this podcast. 
You don't have to sell me on it. I'm a believer. (laughs) And so for six years, this kid didn't nap, but then also would go to sleep and then wake up at three, four o'clock in the morning for the whole day. Oh, no. She just didn't sleep. And we took her to specialists and doctors and over and over because that means I'm not sleeping. Uh I do need sleep. I was Uh exhausted all while functioning and working and doing all the things. And the doctors were like, she's, she's a healthy kid. Just some kids don't need that much sleep. And I'm like, well, I need sleep. So Courtney said, put some oils in a diffuser and put it in her bedroom. And she absolutely, within two weeks, I said to my husband, did you know what? I, I think she's sleeping because we're not waking up. And like from then on out, it was history. She was sleeping. Wow. Like it, it calmed her down enough to go to sleep. And I said, if I would have known six years ago, that would have helped me. I would have given you my left arm. Like right. <laughs> there is no amount of money that can pay for good sleep. And that for like, I will forever use real oils in a diffuser. And and we we all have them. I probably have 11 diffusers in our whole house. And I probably have eight in boxes that I have on backup because I yeah. will never be without it. But that that was enough for me. And so that's when I became the oil queen. I was going to say the oil queen. People still call me. They're like, hey, what can I use for this? And I'm like, well, let me, I like so many books. I'm like, let me look at my book. I feel like I know a lot, but there's still like, I don't know everything, but. Well, that's cool. I mean, it's like a, I mean, you're 10,000 on mugs and, and, and all the inventory. I mean, it's like a real business. Um, what was the learning curve for you to, you know, get on board with this? Well, with oils, they, so you don't have to buy a kit to like become a member anymore. You just. You, you're just it's free to be a member but before you had to buy a kit the kit cost 165 dollars. so in that you got a diffuser and you got 12 oils so you kind of started out small and you use those oils for whatever reasons like lavender lavender makes you calm but also like if i burn my hand on my curling iron i put that on there and it literally doesn't hurt anymore so it was like these little ways i was using them that were like oh well that's so much easier And so then you just go, oh, well, maybe next month I'll try that oil. And, oh, my husband snores, so I'm going to put some down his nose. And that works. And you're just, like, always in awe of the the magic of nature. Mm. Do I still use, like, I mean, obviously we go to the doctor. My daughter just had an ear infection, and she had to take an antibiotic. Like, we're not anti- Sure, sure, modern medicine. medicine. Yeah, but we just- most of i mean this is all mayan like it's inventory of mayan like, oh it's your personal is your personal yeah. stash right here yeah <laughs> so yeah i don't actually keep any oils that i sell or any okay. products that i sell with that that's all uh it's kind of like um like an amazon where like if you wanted it you would sign up with your own account and then whenever you want some you just order it and then you get it okay and it yeah um but well, with I, I'm curious, just like from the actual like business, the numbers, all that, right? When you talk about, boy, you wish that school had taught you like some. I wish school had taught us about like running a business, starting a business, how to do those things. You know, when you're doing ten thousand dollars on a on a single mug, um, and you want to keep those things, you have to know what you're doing. Where did you learn all that stuff? You get help from. I don't want to assume you got like your husband showed you how to do it that your husband's doing. I'm assuming. You know that you get you get that knowledge too, but you don't start with that knowledge when your your path had been education and nannies. 
Right. So actually Facebook is a big, big place that taught me a lot. I think it teaches people a lot, all the different things. Like I have a Facebook group for Young Living that's business. I have Mm -hmm. one that's specifically with that about taxes to make sure we know like what we should be doing with taxes because while they, they pay us every month, they don't take taxes out. So that's all on you. But there's these professionals who are like, you know, instructing you on what kind of tax professional you need in real life. Mm. But they help you monthly set aside of like your receipts and all that stuff that you wouldn't normally do. Um, I feel like I already knew most of that because with the skincare and the mugs, I was already doing that. But that's also because I started on Etsy. So on Etsy, there's lots of Facebook Etsy groups. So lots of people who are who've been doing it for 10, 20 years, they'll chime in and say, well, here's what you need to do. And then by them saying those A, B, C, D, E, then you research it yourself to make sure like, oh, okay, that, that is what I should be doing. Mm. Should I be an LLC? Should I have an EIN for my business? And it's, it's kind of, I mean, what I do, I feel is pretty easy because I don't, because I don't have a lot of inventory. I don't feel like I have to do a lot of bookkeeping, mm. but um, e- even with making the t-shirts, there's groups that tell you, oh, what kind of machine you have. And then you go into that group and then when you troubleshoot, they're like, oh, I can help you with that. I've had that problem. And so I feel like a lot of it, you get so much help from Facebook. That's interesting. So you've got your own t-shirt press and all that? Yes. Wow. See, these are the things that like, I've always wanted to do things like this. And I just go, how do people do it? And I go, do people just have the equipment? Like you have to, you're all in on it. You got to be in on it. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, I'm always like, I, I don't know. Do you go online and just like design it and then give them the thing, give the website, the design, and then get it printed out. But you're like actually hand, yeah. hands on well, making a, it. There is a lot of websites who do that. They just, they take a good port. Right. Office. So I started out with a machine, a printer. So it's, you have a printer that prints the paper. It has special ink. And then you have to print it on a special mug that's coated with sublimation. Okay. So the first printer I bought was like 200 bucks. But then I had to like, um, I guess kind of like rig it to work the way it's supposed to, like it wasn't made that way. So then it had like an outside system. And so while it wasn't ideal, it worked. Mm. And then I just saved up money to buy like the actual expensive machine, Okay. which, you know, they don't last very long. So, and they're kind of expensive, so it's not awesome, but there's that. And then there's a mug press. So it's like a heat press, but specifically for mugs. Okay. And then I also, have one that's specifically for t-shirts you like really but learn yeah, this shit <laughs> it is an investment you kind of start off by just buying the cheap stuff that you can afford and then you upgrade it when you can and then you eventually have like quality equipment but would i have started out being like oh i need to invest five thousand dollars like no yeah <laughs> like, i'll just be in childcare forever and then is it is it mainly through through like word of mouth and your social media is that like your or do you do advertising um, no, I don't do any advertising. I mainly do it through Facebook. I will talk about stuff on Instagram. I mainly have a big Instagram following because I'll tag bigger companies. And then when I tag them, they'll share it in their stories. And then that kind of stuff happens. But with Philly Mean Mugs, that hasn't really been very lucrative on Instagram. Okay. Facebook, however, it's easier to share. So if I share the shirt I personally made for you and then I tag you, all the people you know now see it. Mm. 
And then they can be like, hey, where did you get that shirt? And you can say, well, just ask Leanne. And it's word of mouth via Facebook that really happens the most. And then I have a couple small businesses that I've worked with for a long time that I'm constantly making stuff for them. I've made stuff for Pet Boys, different that's local cool. companies. Yeah, that's really cool. And, you know, it's, uh, it's interesting that this like kind of started out that you're like second career, I guess. Would that be second or third? I guess third career uh, kind of start like with like all the Wizahickon people kind of coming to your place and like doing that. And, and then you start filling your time with other stuff. That's really interesting. But I mean, I do all those things and they're kind of more of a side gig because, mm-hmm. you know, more of a stay at home mom. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. That listen, that takes, <laughs> that takes enough time. Yeah. The kids are alive, right? The kids are still, are still kicking, <laughs> right? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> well, we also kind of have like an unconventional farm thing happening here. Well, we have a lot less animals at the time, but I think the most animals we had at once was 18. In, so, uh, in where you are now in Exeter. Yeah. What kind of animals? Um, well, currently we have a, a bird. Um, she's like upside down. We have four cats. We have two bunnies and a pot belly pig. I was going to say, you got to have a pig. Yeah. But at, at once we have also had a hamster. We've had two guinea pigs. We've had another cat. We have three dogs. We just recently fostered a dog for my friend for six months. Like we've taken a lot of rehomed animals. Mm and elderly animals and now that's just kind of all quieting down uh they say they say pigs are like dogs they're smarter than dogs and cleaner than dogs they don't shed all right they will have one time a year where it's called blowing their coat and all their hair comes out at once and then it grows all back okay Um, but they they learn tricks in like minutes it's so fast what kind of of pig tricks you do (laughs) So she can sit, she can, we call, well, it kind of looks like she curtsies. Um, she can spin. And then we have like one of those old little tykes pianos and we'll tell her to play music and she goes over and hits the keys. Oh, that's wild. Yeah. That's She'll so do funny. anything for food. <laughs> that's really funny. The hard thing with pigs is they don't love dogs because they're a prey animal to a dog. Okay. So you have to like always have, like we don't currently have a dog, but we have always had one. So we had to always keep our eyes on them because she'll snap at the dog and the dog who loves everybody would be like, wait a second, why are you Mm. being mean to me? And then it can cause, you know, a vet trip. Yeah, yeah. Um, Did you get any superl? I don't have the yearbook. I'm just curious if you had any like superlatives or anything like that, being that you were captain of the cheerleader uh most whatever I don't like think so if, I don't remember if I did it might have been like most spirited because why not but I don't even know if that was one of them off the top of my head uh being that you were class of 2000 what happened with your with your 20-year reunion ours got pushed back and we're just going yeah. to have ours in, in October nothing for you guys nothing Mm-mm. any I think there was I don't know if there was a five-year or a 10-year, but when they had it, it was at the Great American Pub in Conshohocken. Sounds which, right. Which, to me, I don't know why we, like, why not PJ Wellahan's? Like, 
that's at least in one of the towns our school was with. Um, yeah. But I lived in Pittsburgh or in Texas anyway, so okay. I didn't attend. Um, are you are you looking forward to one eventually, or like? I think it would be fun to go. Yeah, that's kind of how I, I, feel I like am. There's a- there's a lot of people who are kind of like all over the place and I don't know how many people would come to it, but I think it would be fun to go. I think it would be fun to see people and catch up. That's how I thought. There's probably a good amount who aren't on Facebook who don't do Instagram. So then like those people, you're just never going to reach out to. And I feel also a way about, and I'm guilty of this on Facebook my name's Leanne Miller. It's not Leanne Mousy Miller. So if someone's searching for Leanne Mousy, they're not going to find me as easily. And my hair is different. So they'd probably be like, not her. It's That's not the her. wrong one. It's definitely not her. <laughs> so I feel like it's, it you don't have the accessibility. If everyone moves, they can, like we all scattered like ants to live all over the place. Like how would we even find each other? Yeah. Well, this will now, I think, will be the official connection to the fact that you are Leanne, you are Leanne Mousy, and you have black hair now. <laughs> that was my conversation with Leanne Miller. This was fun to hop outside of my grade again, and shout out to Chris Mullen. Uh, prior to starting the podcast, I didn't realize how many students didn't grow up in Montgomery County their entire life. I'm hearing so many stories of not only students who were moving to Bluebell or Ambler for the first time as a teenager, but even a few stories like Leanne's where they actually started here very early, left, and then came back years later in their school career. Check out Leanne's Etsy shop, Philly Mean Mugs, or if you're friends with her on Facebook or Instagram, you can reach out about getting something custom made, as she mentioned. And check out Leanne and her natural hair color with full video of this conversation at youtube.com slash redshirtplaya. Don't forget to subscribe and like. I will be back in two weeks with another guest. I have a few conversations coming up that are very close together, so I'm not sure which one is coming in which order. But of course, I'll let you know at We Weren't Friends in High School on Facebook and Instagram before the episode comes out. So that is it for now. I will be back in two weeks on a Monday morning with my next guest. Later.